Well, um, uh, sisters, um, I had somewhat hastily called for this meeting I, um, because of the, um, a particular burden that I have. Now, as some of you know, um, I have uh, created uh, 48 lessons for sisters, 48. And it's done much like... Um, the brothers, you know, we have two years of um, lessons for the eldership uh, that maybe some of your husbands and leading brothers in your church attended uh, in the years 2015 and 2016. And um, uh, there was 72 lessons in all, and... Uh, I always felt very bad that uh, we seem to be taking care of the brothers and paying attention to them um, without uh, a similar um, attention and perhaps regard uh, for the sisters. When the fact of the matter is, in a typical church life, the sisters' role and function and usefulness um, is at least the same as the brothers, in a different way, but at least the same as the brothers, if not more important than the brothers. And I can quote to you, um, if you have read the, the two booklets that I always recommend to sisters, uh, to me they are uh, uh, classic and must read, if you will, uh, of two messages given in the mid-90s, 1970s era uh, in Anaheim. The first one is called uh, Serving Sisters um, in the Church Life. The second is called The Loving Mothers in the Church Life. You know, Just even by those two titles, you can see uh, it is very, very on point as far as the sisters function uh, in the church is concerned. In one of the books, these books, I forgot which one, uh, She uh, at the end of it, Brother Lee um, uh, said, through his experience over the years in the church life, thank you, and especially he quoted the years in Shanghai. Shanghai was the, uh, the years in the 40s, 1940s, before the political situation in China changed uh, when the, uh, the communist uh, government was uh, established in China. Uh, there was a great, great revival. It was the greatest revival um, uh, up to that time amongst us in the Lord's recovery. And Brother Lee, Brother Ni, nee, at that time... Uh, uh, bore the main bur- the burden of training and perfecting the saints down in this place called Kuling, Guling, in uh, in Fujian, you know, close to his hometown in Fuchao. And he tasked uh, Brother Witness Lee, uh, his main co-worker, uh, with um, uh, taking the lead in the church in Shanghai church in Shanghai, which was the largest church and actually 
sort of like today's Anaheim, a kind of a center of the Lord's work uh, and the largest testimony. Building meeting halls and basically uh, 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 administering the church there. And through that experience, Brother Brother Lee uh, was very clear and very emphatic when he said that he said 70% uh, of the building up of a local church depends on the sisters. That's two-thirds, right? Or a little bit more than two-thirds. 70%. Now, this is not about sisters taking the lead, this is not about sisters uh, becoming elders. No. It made it very clear the sisters are the serving ones and the sisters are the mothering ones or the, uh, those who play the role of spiritual moms. But um, together, uh, for a local church to be built up, the 70% of the burden actually falls squarely on the sister's shoulders. In my experience uh, of the church life, um, I, I would attest to that. And you may not think that way, but that is, that is the fact. So we really should be devoting 70% of our energy on the sisters, you know. But it doesn't seem that way. Over the years, we train the brothers. We have elders training. We have this and that training. It seems the sisters are just left to their own devices. And, and when we really should be paying more attention to them. And I have a strong um, uh, burden um, uh, in that way. And this is why I created 48 lessons for the sisters. These 48 lessons are... Very, very well put together, if my, I may say so, with materials and uh, cold from uh, Brother Nee and particularly Brother Lee, Lee's ministry. And 48 Lessons has uh, altogether 24 modules, and each module will comprise of two um, lessons. And I'm uh, since last year, or rather this year, uh, uh, January, I begin to just take my time whenever there's an opportunity to uh, work through these 48 lessons um, by giving a message with the help of that material. The reason I want to do that is this way, um, the uh, help or the benefit of this kind of a training, if you will, will not be limited to just one locality, but all over. And um, the, the recovery of the churches in Canada from east to west, they've been through two years of brothers' training. And when after that two years was over, like here, I sat down with them in Toronto. I said, now, brothers, what next? What's, what's next on the agenda? And, and uh, without consulting with each other uh, in unison, they say, Sisters, okay? So, um, I therefore, uh, um, uh, since I have the 48 lessons, I said, okay, let's do it this way. Uh, I will begin to speak these lessons, maybe in Canada, maybe not, but we'll make these lessons available to you. So, 
Canada, the churches in Canada, the sisters in the churches in Canada, have been either receiving my live speaking. The first two uh, messages I gave was in uh, um, in Vancouver, or rather in Richmond, to the saints in the Lower Mainland area, in uh, several hundred of them, uh, in Western Canada. And since then, I've been I gave them some in Toronto, I gave them some elsewhere, and they all recorded. And um, I don't know where they are, what server they are stored in. Most likely, somewhere in in Eastern Canada, and uh, it is uh, to be accessible by the churches, by brothers who want to show the sisters these messages. Now I don't know whether I gave any sisters messages from those forty-eight lessons live in Northern Cal. Or not? You did that last time about head covering. I did that here. Yeah, in San Francisco. That's right. But that was only one lesson, right? right? Seven. So that's only one lesson. No, that's not lesson seven. Actually, that was lesson six. Lesson six. And so, uh, um, um, so um, it, it's a slow process and. And now, uh, besides Canada, the entire Midwest churches, churches in the Midwest, now every three months, the sisters would cl- gather, like here in clusters, to watch another two, uh, two, uh, uh, another module or two lessons. So the pressure is on me uh, to hunt for opportunities to give these messages uh, because they're waiting, you know, for the next two. Well, so uh, um, this is part of the hunting. So I came here uh, with a burden, and we used to have a we we at least I conducted a couple of sisters' conferences here uh, up in San Mateo uh, two years ago or three years ago, two years in a row. But that, those were not those uh, uh, lessons; those were something else. Now, um, so this time coming up here. Uh, I did did have a burden. However, uh, instead of covering these lessons, which really should be Lesson 7, I I had originally considered doing Lesson 7. But um, a a particular burden arose in me, and um, so I just decided with the brothers not to give Lesson 7. So today, you're not getting any of these... 48 lessons. Today, uh, I want to give you a special treat. And that is a special burden that is not one of these lessons. Now, I'd like to tell you where this burden came from. Last week, uh, or rather uh, two, now almost three weeks ago, a dear sister, 51 years old, passed away uh, in the church in Irvine. Uh, The sister grew up in the church, church kid, so-called. In fact, uh, she would be considered, at her age, one of the first generation of church kids in the Lord's recovery in this country. That means she was born 51 years ago. And that was the start of the Lord's recovery in the 60s. Am I right? Or late 60s uh, in the U.S., 
and she was the beginning of that generation. And some of you know that actually over the years, not all the uh, church kids made it, meaning there was a drop-off. There was quite an attrition. Today, unfortunately, that drop-off continues. But that is one reason why uh, why I, I'm burdened. So in that, uh, uh, they had a mem- I, I missed the graveside because I was out of the country, and, but they asked me to speak, give a word in the memorial meeting, which we had exactly a week ago on, on Lord's Day in Anaheim. Now, I know this sister very well. Uh, I know the parents very well, a very godly family, and uh, my, my wife knew her very well. Um, and, um, but being a brother, she being a sister, of course, I don't have that kind of a close relationship. So I really didn't have too many, uh, um, anecdotes and, and, you know, personal testimonies to give. The other saints did. So I took the opportunity to say a word to the sisters, uh, to the congregation present. And I sought the Lord, and it didn't take me long. Um, that, uh, based on the impression I have of this sister, my knowledge of this sister, um, to give a word to the brothers and sisters, actually, more specifically, or more pointedly, to the sisters, and even more specifically, to the second gen or third gen, for that matter, sisters in the church. And what came to me was the worthy woman in Proverbs 31. So this afternoon, I'm going to take my time to fellowship with you, my burden, uh, as an extension of my fellowship uh, a week ago on the subject, a worthy woman. Before I do that, this morning I got up, actually last night I talked to my wife, and it occurred to me, just in my limited uh, contact with churches and saints, that within the last year, two years, we lost a number of sisters, died, most all cancer. Um, who are in their 40s. And this sister is 51. She's already the older one. But a number of sisters in their 40s passed away. Uh, Including some of you may know Brother Tom Gett's daughter, Rebecca, who died in Huntsville, Texas, um, by now, I think, last year. And that was hit close to home because Brother Tom uh, is... uh, uh, and a leading brother and co-worker in Irvine, who he's in in, uh, in Dusseldorf, Germany now, he and his wife Joyce. But it was his oldest daughter, uh, Rebecca, who passed away, uh, leaving a husband, Daniel, and uh, their two boys, or three boys, in Huntsville, Texas. But besides her, there were several others, uh, sisters, who are all uh, um, 
uh, I would consider proper, uh, good sisters in the church life just passed away at that age, in the 40s. And it just occurred to me this morning, and of course, being human, I cannot help but just ask the question, why? What's going on? Now, I don't have a theory, I don't have a conclusion to that question, an answer to that question, but it did put, um, uh, um, it did even um, uh, strengthen the, te- the, uh, the burden that I already had for this word. We absolutely cannot afford to lose the sisters. And particularly, we cannot afford to lose these proper and useful sisters. You know, uh, over the years in the Lord's recovery, it has been really, really help up the recovery, help, help up by sisters. Uh, beginning with Brother Watchman Nee himself, he, somewhat like Moses of old, was raised up by female. You know Moses, um, if you go read the life studies of, life, of, Genesis, uh, of uh, Exodus, you realize in an abnormal situation, uh, the Lord would go to the female. Uh, not as an end in themselves, but that they would be the ones who raise up the proper male for God's purpose. And Moses was that person. So the females that were involved uh, to fulfill God's need at the time was, number one, uh, Moses' mother, who eventually, through some manipulation, if you want to use that word, actually continued to nurse Moses um, um, when she was the real true mother, Moses' sister. Um, And then the uh, Pharaoh's daughter's servant, who picked uh, Moses up from the, from the river. And then Pharaoh's daughter. At least there were four women that in God's sovereignty coordinated together to raise up this man who changed the age. Um, eventually, Moses, of course, is the uh, greatest prophet uh, among Israel. Um, who received the law, etc., etc., and took the uh, Israel out of Egypt, built a na- tabernacle, and, and so on. And this, if there were not these four females, there would not be a Moses. Watchman Nee, very interestingly, uh, was also raised up by females. Um, she had a very strong mother. Um, she, um, who um, turned to the Lord, and as a result, the family turned to the Lord. I mean, got saved. Um, uh, later on, his mother actually became a semi coworker uh, in the recovery. Then you have <clears throat> Sister Dora Yu. A certain sister named Dora Yu, who was an evangelist. And it was through her preaching 
that Watchman, Watchman Nee was saved himself. Then you have a sister named M.E. Barber. So many of you would know that name. She was the one who mentored, um, perfected um, this young boy at the time, um, um, uh, Watchman Nee, uh, by helping him to know life, to know the cross, and introduce him to all the wealth, uh, the Christian wealth uh, in England, because that's where she came from. Uh, the whole inner lifeline, uh, the, the, the um, lot of things she's personally um, um, sort of bridged uh, that, that, uh, that, uh, that connection between Brother Nee and England, and of course at that time England was the place where um, uh, the Lord's move was primarily on the earth. Um, I don't have time to get into that. Then after uh, uh, Brother Nee started his work, there were two main sisters that became almost her his left and right hand in the work. One is this sister named Ruth um, Yu, Ruth Yu, uh, not to be confused with Dora Yu, Ruth Yu, who became his chief editor in the Shanghai Gospel Book Room, the literature work. You know, today, if you read the, ch- the Chinese books by Watchman Nee, it's mostly edited by her. Um, <clears throat> um, very accomplished liter- in, 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 in Chinese literature and uh, very useful to uh, Brother Ni's nee's uh, literature work. And the other one is called Peace Wang. Peace Wang it was an evangelist herself in her own right and also a, um, a shepherd of people. And she was Brother Ni's nee's sort of right hand. So you see... Even in the recovery, in China, this very backward place, conservative place, the sisters, not only in the church life, but even in the work, play a strong role, a pivotal role. I just mentioned that to you. So over the years, there were dear, precious, godly uh, Grave, grave meaning sisters with gravity, spiritual, um, uh, proper sisters that really held up the church life here and there. You know, I came from Hong Kong, and that certainly was the case. And one of those was my own grandmother, my own grandmother, who was one of those sisters. Of course, he had, he's long gone. Um, she participated in the um, uh, in the revival in China, in Hong Kong back in 1950-51 uh, uh, when Watchman Nee was there personally and eventually Brother Witness Lee himself was. And she eventually became a deaconess in the church in Hong Kong, a widow, a widow. Uh, by then she lost her husband, that is why my grandfather, at a young age, in her 40s and so on. And um, um, she became such a woman. 
And I had, the, of course, the privilege to be with her, and in fact, she helped me to be saved. And, and he was the one who prayed and, and uh, even um, influenced me to love the Lord and to have a heart to serve the Lord. Um, but I was not the only one. She actually shepherded too many sisters in Hong Kong. I don't know whether, David, you know or not. Um, uh, many, many sisters. She really was a, uh, a real model of that widow that was covered by Paul in First Timothy chapter 5, if you read. The old vid- widow. He, there's uh, some speaking about young widows, what, how they should be, and there's also speaking about old widows, how they should be, how they should function. The same in Titus, called the older women. She was certainly, I would say, an exemplary uh, pattern of that kind of a sister in the Lord's recovery. Um, and she was certainly not the only one. They, pr- they had a ministry of prayer. They cared for the young people. They really were mothers in the church life and serving sisters in the church life uh, fully, fully. Uh, she never remarried and she just lived her life for Christ and the church. Now, um, I certainly won't be standing here if it's not uh, because, uh, if, if not for her. Now, um, those sisters, of course, she's very old, and um, one by one have been leaving us. This first, second generation of Sisters, these proper spiritual sisters have been leaving us one by one. Uh, soon after Brother Lee died in 1997, we had a meeting uh, in uh, UCI, in Brent Center in UCI, one of our first blending of the, of the churches. And already there, we brothers, of course, we lost Brother Lee, but we were also bemoaning the fact that this sister died, that sister died, these older ones and the 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 um, the regret is that we're losing sisters who pray, the prayer warriors, the sisters who pray, and you almost can detect that an effect in the recovery due to that lack of prayer, that lack of prayer. And, but, but life goes on, and, and people age, people die, and, and that's, that's to be expected. But in these couple of years, when I think about we're losing not just people through age, through, we're losing younger sisters, at least in these cases that I'm, I know, that are, that are useful, they are proper, they are, they are spiritual, they, they bear the burden, they are consecrated. We're losing them. And I just don't feel this is right. I'm not saying this is the enemy and that kind of stuff. But it really, really made me very, very uh, burdened, concerned and burdened. So when I speak this, spoke this word uh, at that memorial meeting, I had that within me. And now, uh, after this week, uh, that, me- that burden within me is even stronger. We need more 
sisters. This kind of sisters that would not leave us in their 40s and 50s. I pray that the Lord will raise up many more such sisters who can live to an old age because the church needs them. The church needs them. But they didn't become old all of a sudden. They grew old. They started when they were younger. Uh, Some started when they were as a church kid, as I said. Um, So with that as a long preamble, a long long introduction, um, I'd like to get into now this worthy woman in Proverbs 31. Brother Lee in his ministry, and maybe Brother Nee, I'm not exactly sure, um, did not spend much time in interpreting this passage, to my knowledge. So I don't have that much ministry to rely on. It is, even in Christian circles, in um, a rather well-known message, because when you talk about women, uh, this is front and center, a, a, a critical passage. But this, mor- this afternoon, let me try. And not in the way of interpreting it, uh, there would be some of that, but to use this as a way to uh, infuse you uh, with a burden, all of you, and those listening uh, through the video, to aspire to be a worthy woman in the Lord's recovery. Even I hope some young sisters among us, you're in your teens, you're in your 20s, you're in your 30s, you would aspire to this and not have a different kind of aspiration that is aligned with the worldly trend. The world, because of its philosophy, particularly the philosophy of feminism, have um, infused a whole new generation of women with another kind of aspiration, with another kind of goal to their life that, quote, quote, give their existence meaning. And in my speaking, it will sound like I'm against that. And I am against that. (laughs) But not in a political sense. I'm not here you know, in a political arena. We're in a spiritual arena. So I'm not fighting with anyone. I only could use the word of God. The word of God is my only, the only thing that we have to share with you what God wants from a woman, what God's ordination is for the sisters to be. And let me tell you, this is that worthy woman. Now, when we say worthy, you can use other words. Let me try. Um, worthy obviously means honorable. Honorable. 
Worthy means um, noble. Noble. Esteemed. Commendable. Precious. Priceless. Dear. All these makes something worthy or a person worthy. I'm going to use various examples or sprinkle my sharing with various examples. But let me just immediately pull one out for you. One example. And this as you almost can guess, guess, excuse me, is Ruth in the Old Testament. Let me just read you the verse in the book of Ruth. And there's one lesson, a full lesson devoted to Ruth in these 48 lessons. So I'm not going to give that lesson. I'm just going to read this verse to you. So Naomi, the, the, the mother-in-law, right? you know she's a Moabite. I mean, she's bad, you know, Moabite bad. These people should not enter God's congregation. They, they are the, the, the product of incest. Terrible. A bad, bad, some bad genes in her, so to speak. This is what Naomi said. And now, my daughter, do not fear. All that you say I will do for you. Oh, this, by the way, I'm sorry. This is not Naomi. This is actually Boaz who became her husband, a Jew marrying a Moabite. And she became one of the grand-grand-grand-grandmother of Jesus. Maintaining that line of life that led to the Lord's incarnation. Now, my daughter, do not fear, Boaz said. And that you say, I will do for you, because she had some request to Boaz. For all, listen, for all the assembly of my people, that means the, the Israel people where he was, know that you are a worthy woman. A Moabite, a Moabite became well known among Israel as a worthy woman. Now, sisters, if Ruth, with his, her poor birth, can become such, none of you, none of you, should say, oh, I won't be one because naturally I'm terrible, I'm bad. I'm, you, you cannot say that. You, you have to, at least Ruth would not let, let you say that. It's not about your natural birth. Naturally, we're all Moabites. In this case, a Moabitess. So don't look at your natural birth. Look at your rebirth. We're all going to marry Boaz, that is Christ. Am I right? Our real husband. And by this, we will continue this lineage of Christ. Christ. 
to produce Christ among mankind, and thereby fulfilling God's economy. So it's not about your natural birth. It's about your rebirth. And it's about your aspiration and your desire and your consecration and your love for God's people and your following of God's people. She said, where you go, I will go, right? She said to Naomi. Her, 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 her other sister-in-law just left the two brothers, marrying two sisters. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, 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 her sister-in-law went back. She told Naomi, I will not. I will go with your people. Where you go, I will go to the death. That kind of singularity of heart, singleness of heart, made a Moabitess a worthy one in Israel. Later on, I will mention some others to you in the New Testament, particularly, but right now, let me just read to you these verses on the worthy woman. You can just listen to me. You go home and read your Bible. There's verses 17, excuse me, verses actually 11 through verses 31, verse 31. So please listen. Verse 10, actually. Who can find a worthy woman? For her prize is far above corals. Corals are very, very precious things. Uh, that means to speak of her, how valuable and priceless a worthy woman is. The heart of her husband trusts in her. And he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil. All the days of her life. And here may I make reference to another verse in Proverbs and chapter, that is chapter 12 and verse 4. You just write down the reference that says this. A worthy woman is the crown of her husband. Now, this of course speaks humanly that a worthy woman becomes the glory of her husband. This is true. Even in human terms, that is true. But if I can apply this spiritually, that today, really Christ is our common husband. That both individually and together, collectively, including the brothers, if we are that corporate worthy woman, we also would be the crown of Christ. We will be Christ's glory. Now that is not a small thing, sisters. I want to be on part of that crown, even though I'm not a sister. She does, excuse me, verse 13, she seeks wool and flax. And delights to work with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. 
She rises also while it is still night, and gives food to her household, and their task to her serving girls. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She girds her loins with strength, and makes strong her arms. She samples her merchandise to be sure it is good. Her lamp does not go out by night. She lays her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold on to the spindle. She stretches out her hand to the afflicted, and she reaches out her hands to the needy. She does not fear for her household when it for when it snows, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes covering for for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them, and delivers girdles to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she happily looks forward to the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. And the law, or the teaching, of kindness is on her tongue. She watches closely over the ways of her household. She does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her, saying, "Many daughters have done worthily, but you surpass them all." Grace. Is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears Jehovah, she will be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. Now, what I'm going to do is not expound these. It will take time, and I haven't spent that much time. I. Simply drew from these uh, verses about twelve virtues of this worthy woman. There may be more, but I drew twelve. And through this, I hope through these, the lens of these virtues, you will have insight to what comprises such a woman. Not only in the eyes of her husband. But surely, in the eyes of God. Now, firstly, let me just say, it says a worthy woman. It does not say an ideal woman. It does not say a perfect woman. Sisters, I'm not here to tell you to be perfect, to become that ideal sister. But I am saying, aspire to be worthy. Which you all can be, which we all can be. I, even as a brother, has the have the aspiration to be precious to God, to be worthy to Christ. Even as a male, I have that aspiration, and I hope sisters. You particularly would aspire to be such a woman in the church, and even in your 
own household. Okay. The first thing, I'm going to list them now and run through them rather quickly. The first one is, of a worthy woman, is that she is trustworthy. It says what her husband trusts in her. What does that mean? That means this woman or this lady is faithful. She's devoted. She's steadfast. She's unchanging in her loyalty. Now, of course, you may apply this to husbands or something like that. But I particularly, and, and that's, that's good, that's okay. But I want to here especially apply it to a sister in relation to Christ and to the church. The context and the setting is her household, as you heard my reading. And there's no greater household than the church of God. The church is the house of the living God. So we need the worthy woman in the church. We need the sisters to be worthy women in the church life. And the particular relationship here, one has to do with her husband, which I mentioned already. Spiritually speaking, it is Christ. Christ, our head, our husband. So in your faithfulness, it is faithfulness to Christ. Our devotedness to Christ. That's a worthy woman. She doesn't change. Um, she doesn't go up and down. Once she's married, she's always married. She does not go after other husbands. She's faithful to her one husband. That's our Lord, the Lord Jesus. Is it possible? All the women that I mentioned, both in the Word and even in the recovery, I have seen many such sisters. Many such sisters like that. Her fidelity, is that such a word? Uh, to this marriage, to our marriage with Christ. Her purity, her chastity, her single heartedness to the Lord. So it must begin here, sisters, to become such a sister. We have to be in this way with the Lord, with our Lord. I hope these would even cause all of us to go to pray to the Lord. Um, 
in, 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 in this light. The second thing is she, was, she is diligent. Now, later on it says her clothing is what? Strength and diligence. It says later on. Strength and, uh, sorry, strength and dignity. Oh, I'm sorry, it's dignity. I got it wrong. Sorry. But anyway, if you remember all these uh, verses I read, so many things. You have the idea that this woman is hardly idle. She's a busy woman. But not just busy body, you know. That's different. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul's word is to instruct the women, the widows, not to be busy bodies going from house to house, idle, gossiping, talking, which the young widows are wont to do. No. This woman is diligent. That means she is industrious. She is um, conscientious. I may even say she's hardworking. Not idle. Today, I, I tell you, nothing is, sorry, sister, sorry, huh? Is worse than an idle woman. A woman with time in her hands. And that spells trouble. This woman, you can see verse after verse after verse, was occupied, not with the internet, you know what I mean, occupied with positive, productive things of all manners and kinds. And we're talking about the household here. All her work, you know, in in. in in weaving, in, in spindling, in making clothes for the family, in bringing in food, in working through the night, in planting a vineyard um, to produce wine, probably, and to take care of the needy and 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 afflicted, and to this and that and this and that. You get the impression that this woman is busy. For the pro- in the proper things. And I can tell you also that these examples before us, and even that those that I witness with my own eyes, are like this. They're not busy to build a huge, big, Career. They're not busy to become the next CEO. They're not busy to break some glass ceiling. They're not busy doing that as the world would train women today to do. Like if you don't do that, you are not worthy. Now this afternoon I like to... Now I'm, I'm a bit in a war right now, okay? No. I say no. Sisters, many of you went to school, college. That's what you get from your professor, subliminally, the message, this feministic, feministic teaching. 
basically is to tell you to be a man. You need to accomplish things like a man. You need to be a man, actually. I joke. Okay, this is a joke. Feminism actually is a deceitful term. Feminism, as practiced today, should be called masculinism. (laughs) That's more truthful. Then they are telling the truth. Because they're trying to make women men. So that's not called feminism. Real feminism is to make you a woman. Am I? They're not. They're telling you, don't be a woman, be a man. So we really should call feminism today masculinism. That's truthful. In God's ordination, a woman should be a woman. And do the things of a woman. And a man should be a man and do the things of a man. Look. It sounds like I'm I'm going I'm I'm turning the clock backwards. Am I right? Uh, right? Uh, it, it sounds like that. I, I mean, your 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 professors will all want to kill me if I keep talking like this. I'm 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 bringing the woman in the local church back to the Stone Age. You know, I'm 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 putting them under the repression of the male. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm here trying to stifle their, their, their future. I, I'm here trying to, uh, 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 um, um, no, no, no. They say we women are liberated. We're, we're emancipated. We're free. Uh, don't, don't put us back into the box. And it sounds like I'm trying to put you in the box. Let me tell you, I'm not trying to put you into the box. I am only speaking the word of God. I know. When I talk like this, what is against me is the concept and thoughts that you may have from the schools, from today's media, from today's world. Can I shock you? Can I shock you for a moment? All right, I'm going to shock you. Because if you think I'm bad... You know, God is worse than me. <laughs> a lot worse. I shouldn't say God. I should say the apostle. You say, oh, this is 2,000 years ago. It's Roman Empire. I don't care. But anyway, this is what he said. This is the apostle Paul said this. He said, older women should train the younger women. Okay. To what? Let me see. I'm reading from the Bible. To love their husbands. To love their children. To be of a sober mind. Pure. Workers at home. Ooh. That means to be domestic. Good. Now here's the worst one. Subject to their own husbands. That the word of God would not be blasphemed. Let me tell you, 2,000 years later, this is still the word of God. I am not against sisters going to school, get a degree or two. I'm not here against sisters going to work and even have some kind of career. I'm not even against women being accomplished. That's not me. I'm not some, some old 
Victorian era person, okay? I'm a modern man. So I'm not saying in that way. But I'm saying there's a prevalent concept of what a woman should be and do. And what is... What makes a woman worthy and worthwhile? That concept must be a scriptural concept, a divine concept, and not a worldly concept. They are sisters who have to work so that their husband can serve full time. You understand? I'm all for that. I'm not against that. In fact, she is busy in the right way, it seems to me. So please do not misunderstand me. Uh, I'm trying to go back to the Stone Age and um, but I hope, dear ones, that you would Acquire, you would acquire the divine concept according to God's ordination. I have a daughter, I have two daughters. One of them got a law degree. Law degree. She didn't practice, she got married. And now she has two kids. Whether she work as a lawyer, I don't know. I'll tell you, it won't bother me one bit if she doesn't. I think it's more important for her to raise up two children properly. Now that's old-fashioned, huh? I frankly don't understand how women today can go to work and pay for child care. Unless there's some special circumstances. I mean, as a rule, I tell you, these children that is raised up not by you but by some third party will be, will be problematic. Are you okay? <laughs> whoa, whoa, you're all saying, I can't take this. This is, this is too much. But I say again, I already gave my word, I'm not against sisters, uh, according to what the Lord has um, 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 endowed them with, their intellect, their creativity, to do things, to uh, so, quote, quote, live to their potential and all of this. I'm not against that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm fighting against a certain philosophy that has become dominant, that have saturated today the minds of the new generation of women and men and men as well.
if you all men, uh, brothers sitting here, I'll give a different message. I will say, brothers, you need to be a man. You are not a man. According to the Bible, you should be a man, a real one. Because the whole society is trying to make you not a man. And sometimes even your wife is trying to make you not a man. Number three, she is helpful. Helpful. Verse 15, she talks about she, you know, in other verses, she, 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 she rises up, she, she, she gives food, she, she brings food, she, you know, all these things. Now, this little word, helpful, it, it, it sounds like, oh, that, that's a small word. No, let, let me tell you. This word, helpful, is a huge, big word. Helpful means, in this case, with this uh, worthy woman, one who sustains the folks in the house. One who uh, supplies them. One who provides for them. One who succors them. And what comes to my mind when I think about this matter is another woman. This other woman, we also will have a wonderful lesson on her. And yes, you might have guessed it. That is a sister named Phoebe in Romans chapter 16. It says this sister, who is a deaconess of the church in St. Crea, Paul says this, you, you know, you saints in Rome, receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy. The word is here again. Worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever matter she may have need of you, for she herself has also been the patroness. The original word means protectress. She's a protectress. She protects the saints. It, in original Greek, this word protectress is a very dignified term. It's not that just she, she's a good person. She's a, it's a very dignified title. Uh, um, accorded to Phoebe. She, she is a patroness of many and of myself as well. That means this deaconess, Phoebe, in the church, she what? She supplied Paul. She sustained Paul. She helped Paul as well as, as all the saints. She is so highly esteemed by the apostle himself that in this whole chapter of greeting, she was listed in the first. Not a man, not a brother, not a, not a co-worker, but a woman. Phoebe, because of her service in the church in Sancria. Now I'm here just to give you an example that a worthy woman is one who afford a kind of all-inclusive care for her household. To cherish the folks in her household, to nourish the folks in her household, to, to heal if there's sickness in the household, to, to, to um, uh, meet the, all kinds of needs 
of the people in the household. And I would like to say this refers to our care, your care for the saints. Especially the younger ones, the newer ones, the weaker ones, the saints. Sister, I just cannot tell you how much of the church life is actually not in the meetings. The meeting is just the visible part of the church life a few hours a a week. Most of our church life is in our daily living. And that's where you interact with the saints, with people. That's where you care for them. You invite to your home for dinner. And there are sisters even who would, me for example, there are sisters who would, um, my wife cares for me, but there are some sisters, older sisters, who, 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 who found out I'm not well. They would cook and bring special, you know, these Chinese medicine, you know. Uh, with with black chicken, you know, black chicken. You know. <laughs> I'm not just saying do that, but sisters, let me tell you, the role of a sister in the church is almost limitless. As large as your heart is, as many as you can embrace, sisters, you can serve them. Pick up the burden. There are many young girls that need your care. There are even many young brothers that need your care. The saints, the full-timers, their students, their new ones, their weak ones, there's some backslidden ones, all manners of saints in this household you can provide for. And in many instances, not even just spiritually, but even materially. Another point is that she's exceedingly resourceful. You know the word? Resourceful. She doesn't take no for an answer. She, she, she has a business mind almost. You'll plant a vineyard. If there's no grapes, I'm going to plant my own, you know. she go to work out something with the merchants to bring food in. She's actually a very capable sister. You know, sisters, many of you are very capable, more capable than your husband. <laughs> but don't be capable in a wrong way. Be capable in a right way. You know, she even checked the merchandise to make sure it's good. She doesn't even just take it. She inspects it first to make sure it's good. Then then it will pass. Uh, she, she, she makes linen and sells them. You know, here, 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 let me take, uh, bring this up. You know, there are three women that are most exalted by by Christianity in the New Testament. All right? and I don't know whether they canonize to be saints or not. I, I don't know. That's Phoebe. 
and Dorcas. You know Dorcas? Tabitha is her name. Uh, in, it means, it's the name Dorcas. Tabitha means gazelle, you know, the, the original meaning, the gazelle, the animal gazelle. She's the one that died, you know, that Peter, who lives in Joppa, and Peter went there at the request of some women and resurrected her. You, you know that story. And then the third one is uh, Lydia. Lydia is the woman uh, in Philippi that Paul contacted at, by the river because she listened and was inclined to the apostles speaking. And she, her house became the first household of the church in Europe, in Philippi. And that's Lydia. These three women are quite highly uh, esteemed in Christianity. So I'm not going to, just because of that, but I want to tell you, uh, it is said, and I somewhat believe, that these sisters, these three at least, are very likely women of means. That means they're not poor uh, people. They're not poor people. Okay, for someone like Phoebe to, whoa, cover a whole church or care for a whole church, she must have some material means. But she did not just spend those means on herself, but used those means to care for the saints. Uh, 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 Dorcas, you know, Dorcas, though... When 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 Peter came to 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 to, uh, to, to uh, heal her, um, they were all there uh, weeping and so forth, and they all were holding in their hands these garments that she made. You know that. Uh, that means she 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 makes a lot of clothing for the saints. A lot of clothing. You go, please go read it, huh? Read the Bible, right? Um, and in the case of Lydia, it says she was a seller of purple. She is a businesswoman. <laughs> she was a businesswoman. She sells purple, and um, and she, the fact that she would tell say say to Paul and the the the, the and the, and the people. And, and the first church was to be established in her house. You know, after P, uh, Paul and those got out of the jail, you know, that whole story in Philippi, the earthquake and all that. And the church life started in her home. In her home. I would like to tell you, sisters, we are not here to tell, oh, sisters, just be a dum-dum, you know, you're... You're just a woman. Just no, no. God made man and woman the same. In this sense, He gave us certain capacities, certain intellect, certain ability. But the main thing is that we would use what the Lord has given to us, not in a worldly way, but in a way to take care of his need in the church, and the saints' need in the churches. Resourceful. Resourceful. 
The next point I want to tell you is that she's simply strong. Strength is her what? Clothing. Strength and dignity. <laughs> now, sister, I know many of you are strong. Uh, many of you are even tough. Not just strong, but tough. Well, in some sense, I would say to be strong is a virtue of a woman. But don't be strong in the wrong way. You know, some sisters are so strong, they are very argumentative. They're really strong, but they're strong to argue. Some are strong, they're very stubborn and obstinate. You know, they're they're women like that. And here, this strength is not applied in that way. Here, the strength is that she is hardy. You know hardy? Uh, She's not like a like a flower, you know. You know, one time Brother Lee said, so many sisters are like grapes. You know, grapes, grapes. He said, you can never build a building with grapes. It's, it's very sweet, but you can hardly build anything with grapes. He got a point. So sisters, you need to be a stone. But a stone not to throw at other people. <laughs> a stone for God's building in that you are not so weak. You know, some sisters, they are so weak. You know, just a little wind and they're, they're, they're gone. <laughs> uh, just a little, little offense. Uh, they're out of the church for six months. Uh, just a little um, uh, something, unhappiness, uh, they, they, they're ready to call it quits. That is a weak sister. I tell you, when it comes to the Lord and the Lord's interest, sisters, be strong. Strong in your faith, strong in your spirit, strong for the Lord, strong for the interest. Die to yourself. Die to your natural life. Be vital. Be vigorous. Don't be like a man. That's not what I mean to be strong. But be strong in a feminine way, as women need to be strong. To what? It says here that she girds her loins with strength, and make strong her arms. This is not to be compete for Miss Universe, you know. This is to what? To strengthen herself so that she can care for God's house, God's household, and all the needs. The next one. She's prudent. Prudent. In the, you can even use the word smart. But not smart in that worldly, you know, kind of way. That means she is what? She's astute. 
she checked things. She she she's not uh not like this. She is very alert, very vigilant. She is uh if I may use this word, she's really savvy. You know, you know? She's not dumb. We're not here trying to raise up dumb sisters. No, not at all. Very clear-eyed, even very intelligent. But all these things are not just to advance herself and be this and be that. All this is to take care of God's people. Oh, what a, what a woman is this. The next point I would like to say that she is compassionate. It says here, she stretched out her hand to the afflicted. She reaches her hands to the needy. You can get this view, this impression that this woman, she is very, very tender-hearted. She is benevolent, if I may use that word. She is caring, she is sympathetic to others, even empathetic with others. She's kind. She's, she loves people. She's charitable. You know, sisters, young sisters, I'd like to say a word to you. Learn from when you're young not to be so self-absorbed and self-loving. You know, today is the age of the Instagram. I don't have Instagram, so I don't know what's there. But here and there, I cannot help Instagram here, Instagram there. And everyone is on Instagram taking selfies, am I right? All that is to exalt the self, to beautify the self, to make you look good and glamorous in the eyes of whoever is on your Instagram, the world. You know, the fallen man is self-centered. It takes transformation by the Spirit to make us love others rather than ourselves. I mean, sisters, if you really want to take care of others... This is something you have to get through by the Lord's mercy and grace to learn to love other people, to love the saints, to love others, and to not love ourselves. When I speak these things, actually I'm speaking to myself because I very much want to be a worthy woman. Yeah, I do. And in a sense, I'm a woman in God's eyes, a female. So I'm not just here telling you what to do. I'm speaking to myself. Another thing with her, hospitable. She is very hospitable. You know the case with Phoebe. She is just given to hospitality. She, she takes in strangers. She, 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 she washes their feet. She... She, she makes their bed. She takes care of people. And by this, she served. She served. 
Why does uh, uh, Dorcas make clothes? These are uh, kind of uh, the inner, inner uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, clothing. Why? She has nothing to do? You think Dorcas has a... No, she must be making these things for the needy, those who cannot afford those clothing or those... You know what I mean? You have the feeling that they don't live for themselves. Their heart is on other people. Um, and then the next one, if I may continue, she is what? She is dignified. You know, strength and dignity is her clothing. Dignified. You know, I tell you today, oh my goodness. When... This is the last word, adjective I would use, dignify, to describe today's women. They may be beautified, but not dignified. You know, the Bible's word about women is not only they should be modest and shamefaced and all this. It says they should be grave. You know the word grave? It doesn't mean the grave you bury people. It means it's an adjective that means weightiness, weighty. That has gravity. This is a big thing. I, uh, it's, it's hard to find these qualities today with, with a lot of women, sorry to say. The next, excuse me, the next point is that she's wise. It says that she is, uh, this, this lady or this woman, she her, opened her mouth, is full of wisdom. And, and on her lips are the teaching of kindness. Now how would I apply this, dear sisters? Don't think, knowing the word of God, the truth is the realm of the brothers, exclusive realm of the brothers. No, no, it's your realm. Because if you don't know God's word, if you, you have no wisdom, you have no way to teach others, a lot of our care of younger ones and shepherding of the newer ones requires the teaching of the truth, of the word of God. And if you don't know the word of God, you have a lot of love in you. That's praise the Lord for that. But other than that, you can cherish people a little bit. You have nothing to nourish them with. So you need to know the truth. You need to love the ministry. You need to read the ministry. But I'm saying, I'm, I'm seeing firsthand how sisters need the truth to feed people. You know, you, I may have a burden for these young ones, and I cook up a good meal, I invite them. But then afterwards, I have nothing to say to them. I cannot help them spiritually. Even humanly, I can help them so adequate because I'm not uh, equipped uh, with the truth, with the Lord's word. Uh, you know, we two together as a pair, we, we're partners, you know. We have to minister to many young people on marriage, on all manners of things, schooling, family, all manners. For years we, we work together. And I will tell you, it's not just about, oh, we're just marriage counselors, you know, we'll this and that. No, I tell you, 
there has to be a substantial spiritual dimension in our care for the saints, besides the human things. Sisters, do you have, you know, in Isaiah it says, the Lord, you know, wake me up morning by morning and open my ears. Give me the ears, the tongue of a learned one. Give me a word that I can sustain a weary one in that season. Dear saints, sisters, don't say this is the brother's job. They, they give messages. They, they talk truth. Uh, I just cook, you know, in the kitchen. Don't say that. I tell you many times, while she was cooking in the kitchen with a sister, help me bake something, right there, the ministry of the word. To feed, to, to, you know what I mean? To really help them. She would uh, have a life study reading time with sisters individually. Just a weekly, there's a set time. She, the sister comes. Some of these are working saints, you know, working sisters, students, and so on. But sisters, um, uh, don't, don't leave this to the brothers. You all need to be lovers of the ministry. You need to be constituted with the word of God to speak uh, the, the uh, words of wisdom. Uh, what number is that? I forgot the count. Huh? That's ten. Okay, I have, I have uh, 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 one more, uh, two more. Thirteen is, she was, he, she's God-fearing. It says, a woman who fears Jehovah, she will be praised. Um, you know, today, we hardly use this term God-fearing anymore. It's, again, like some old terms, you know, God-fearing. What is that? I tell you today... This fear of God is very much missing in our young people. Almost fearless before God. I will tell you, the beginning of the fall is when you lose that fear, that godly fear. You know, I talk about my grandmother, right? I tell you, probably the top thing that I receive from her besides salvation, it's her godly fear. She instilled into us a fear of God. And that fear remains into me today. You just don't deal with God in a fearless manner. You learn to fear God. And I'll tell you, if you read Ecclesiastes, I believe, I think so, Towards the end, there's a whole section that teaches a young person. And one of the first things to teach a young person is to fear God, the Creator. We need to teach this, actually, to your own children when they're young, to the young people, to the children, even in the children's meeting. They may not even be saved, but they learn to fear God. And this will keep them and protect them for their whole life. And if we have sisters who are like this, I tell you that church is safe. That's 11, am I right? And what is 12? Did I forget something here? 
Oh, the twelfth one, uh, it should be earlier on, is I wish the word prepared. She's always prepared. Um, you know, it says, in the winter when there's snow, no worries. She got clothes. She's prepared. Um, she had store up the grain. She had prepared the clothing, the warm clothing. She's equipped. She's equipped. Now, the final thing, this is not his virtue. Now, this is, I gave you 12. I'm just telling you now, this kind of a woman or worthy woman is, it says here, praiseworthy. She will be praised. That means she's admirable. She's even laudable. By her husband. And also even she'll be praised in the gates. In the gates. The coming in and going out in the church life. She'll be praised. If in a local church. There are a number of sisters like this, old and young, even young sisters. I tell you, that church is a very secure church, a very solid church. So, I spent almost an hour and a half on this matter. Now, let me say this finally, sisters. As I said earlier, that it does not depend on your natural birth, whether you, are, you will be a worthy woman or not. None of us are born this way. It's by the new birth and by the, the working of God the work of grace of God in us, and by our experience of Christ, that we would become such. So you should not say, oh, these are too high, these are too uh, impossible, these are unreachable. You should not say that, because we have seen many sisters who were not like that. They're worldly, they're this and that, who became such sisters over time to the praise of God's glory. So you can I want to put this faith within you that you should aspire to be such. Then I also would like to say all these virtues here are not just something that is naturally concocted, naturally developed. All these virtues are really the results of your experience of Christ. And through the working of the Holy Spirit in you to decorate you in this way, to, 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 to equip us in this way. You know, remember in the Song of Songs, this, this uh, daughter of Jerusalem, she eventually, her hair, am I right? Her neck, you know, the silver, the gold, the, the, uh, the, the, the uh, precious stones, all these are the working of God into this person to make her a, a, a different kind of a person for God's purpose. So, sisters, uh, after this word, don't be, um, 
condemned, huh? don't be condemned, and surely don't give up and say, forget about this. I will never be like this. No, I would like to tell you, you can be like this. A Moabitess, a Moabitess, who have no share in God's congregation, became the grandmother of Jesus. Now tell me if what is possible and what is impossible. But, as with all the things, we need to render the Lord our cooperation. And I hope this little word would at least inspire you and put within you a certain holy aspiration to be such. I tell you, the Lord is going to have a... We're at the cusp, at the threshold of a new move of the Lord in the United States, certainly in the Bay Area and in uh, Northern California. We just came back from a meeting. I couldn't believe what happened in the meeting. It's not what we did. Like Left and right, the Lord is opening doors in this area. The Lord is doing something new in the U.S. The Lord is growing. The Lord is expanding. And all the church life in, uh, among us, local church life, must be strong. These vessels that will contain the Lord's blessing. And it very, very much, 70% depends on the sisters. The brothers have their job have their share. But the sisters, this part is yours. Are you going to throw stones at me? (laughs) I hope not. I hope this word is uh, graciously received. And I really hope that you all would go to the Lord about this and begin to exercise, uh, to live and to serve in this way. Even the younger sisters. Don't say, I'm just uh, 20-something, or I'm not even 30 yet. Uh, Wait for another 30 years, then I'll be a worthy woman. No, you can be a worthy woman with some characteristics of a worthy woman, even in your 20s. I've even seen some sisters in the college age who have signs of a worthy woman. College-age sisters. No, no, I'm not. I'm not making this up. Not in a fully mature way, not in a full way, but I see certain parts. And you just worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Okay? I stop here. You want to uh, share something? You have some testimonies? Or, or if it's late, we can have some prayer. What should we do, David? Or you have some questions. I'm always for Q&A, so whatever you want to Thank, Thank Brother Malaro for the message. And while you are uh, giving us a message, it came to my mind many sisters who have been in the recovery and shepherding us just like the worthy woman. And today I really be inspired. I want to be the worthy woman for the church and for Christ. And I'm raising two kids right now. So when you talk about 11, about God fury, because I always told my older son, like, God is loving kindness. He's always welcoming you, even though when you make mistakes. 
but right now I haven't get a chance to to tell him like tell him how to have the sense of God fearing. So I wonder if you could give me more tips about how to start that. Our first relationship with God is a creature with the Creator. All right, that's not the ultimate, but that's the first because we're man, right? We're made by God in His image. So, as a creature with the Creator, I would say it is in that relationship we should fear Him. We should fear Him just because He is, because He is God. He made us. And of course, there's a lot more to that because this God is the God of the universe. Uh, this God is Almighty. This God is sovereign. This God has His purpose. This God is in control, and we do well as a human being to acknowledge that. And I would say even to be worshipful of that, and all this uh, implied in what we say, fearing God. It's not to be like God is this what this uh, terrible thing that come to judge you or, or or do something bad to you or be unkind to you. So you are scared. It's not. Not that God is love, and God is kind, right? So we don't fear Him in that kind of a way. He's a loving Father, right? He even came to be a man. But we fear Him just because He is God. Learn to know God as God, and we are not God. You know today. For people to say there is no God, that is to say there's no fear. To deny God's existence means not to fear God. And people today do this every day, every moment. In fact, they not only deny God, and some would curse, curse God. They want to get rid of God. No such thing as God. So atheism is the most prominent sign of not God fearing. I would even say, actually, loving God comes after fearing God. You know, actually, the the word, the law says the 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 the, the uh, top law means love your God. With all of your heart, am I right? It doesn't say fear; it says love your God. So the end of the law, the top law, is to love God. No doubt about that. But I will tell you, if you don't fear God, and you say you love God, it doesn't work. In that love, in our love of God, there's always an element of fear that we would. Dishonor him, that we would um, be disobedient to him, that we would bring shame to him, that we would 
um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So love and fear, they are not mutually exclusive. You know, today there's some young people, young, young saints, they say, I love Jesus, I love Lord Jesus, I love you. Then they go and do things that I said, you really love Jesus? If you love Jesus, you won't do that. You, you, you know what I'm saying? That there's no, no fear. Um, this fear safeguards us. Love safeguards us, for sure. Love, there's nothing more safe than loving the Lord. But let me tell you, fear also safeguards us. I hope that helps. Anything else? You, you can just sit there. And yeah. Um, yeah, my heart is burning within you me. You can sit there. Don't sit um, there. Sit there. I am... Um, as I was listening to Brother Menorah, I realized I'm, of course, I'm nothing like this worthy woman that he's. I, I would, I, you know, my my heart is full of aspiration to be like this, but um, I have wasted my own share of time on the internet. Um, one of the things that I did is I went back and read many British and American novels, many from centuries past, not the modern junk back when they had some feeling about human beings. British and American novels, many of the older ones, carry so much of the history of our country. And if you read these novels, I should never have read all these novels, okay? But I gained something from it anyway. Um, the women um, had, a, had a place as women, and they were honored by the men. They had the modesty. They had the proper servant's heart. I have none of these things. I mean, <laughs> you know, they took care of the people in their household. I was really interested in these things probably because I came from a household where I didn't receive so much care, but I didn't really have a mother too much. Um, and, you know, I, I want to know what this is because I don't know what it is in my own humanity. And when the women began, began to deteriorate, the society began to deteriorate, I, I've read many of these things, many, much of the history and I, I just had such a feeling when Brother Minoro was speaking that um, the women have such a responsibility and they carry so much of this burden. Well, uh, no, no, no. in society, uh, this, this should be the case. Actually, all these divine principles actually correctly applies to human society as God has ordained it, as God has ordained it. So that is no different. However, today we're not only in human society, we're in a divine society called the church life. And so these same principles apply, except not only in a human sense, there must be the Lord in this, right? It must be the Lord working himself into us to make us 
truly this kind of a person. So these attributes, uh, these uh, virtues, should be an expression of his attributes, right, as we say. So, um, so I'm not here trying to make all of you nice woman, you know, or, or uh, just a good sister or something like that. Uh, that doesn't work. Uh, you must have this kind of a divine view. Um, yes? Um, I just wanted to say that I really appreciated what you shared about um, it is not about your natural birth, you know, yeah. that we are all Moabitesses according to our yeah. natural birth. Um that's not what we should look at, though. We should look at our rebirth, you know. In our natural men, all of us are terrible, horrible people, right? Um, but that's not what we should be looking at. We should be looking at our rebirth. We should be looking at Christ, because he is the one who is able uh, to be this wise and worthy woman, you know, to be, be the wise and worthy one within us. Um, I also really appreciated what you said about that the role of the sisters in the church life is almost limitless, um, that as large as our heart is, there are ones that need our care. And uh, that that this all-inclusive care to cherish, nourish, heal, and meet all kinds of needs, uh, especially for the younger, newer, and weaker ones, that's our portion, you know, to care for them. And that a lot of this happens outside of the regular church meetings. And and that and I just especially really appreciated those two things. Um, I'm still formulating the question, but I think my question is more from a work single working sisters perspective and uh around me there are older sisters and so in in what ways can we as a younger one care for an older um but also in that question i think there is a need for us to see like you know we we need to care for the new ones and the weak ones and so i think my one answer to my question is oh we need to have new ones to care for but in our in your current situation uh, in your locality how can you as a young one how can you care for the older or those that are around you but not be doing things out of yourself i think being the way that i am you know i i might take initiative and might do something without you know maybe proper fellowship for example like that's what we should do so being younger sometimes i feel like there is not restriction but what would be the best way to, I don't know, have fellowship or how to, if you see, if you have a burden, how do you share that without, yeah. Well, we should all learn these basic lessons, and that is to serve and interact in the church life. Um, um, uh, according to where we are, you know, uh, either in human age or in experience, um, or in the environment, and uh, not go beyond that, not overreach, and do uh, um, sort of out-of-place things. And I think we all have a certain sense about those things. Uh, I would say in terms of caring for people older than you, um, uh, that's not wrong. I'm not, you know, if the Lord put the burden within you for certain older sisters um, to 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 care for them or to minister to them, that's fine. That's okay. But them being older and not younger than you, 
puts you in a particular uh, position or situation so that you need to relate to them or care for them in a particular way with some sensitivity. You cannot talk down to them for sure. They're not even your peer. They are physically older than you, but you have a burden, or let's say they are open for some guidance or help. Uh, You may know certain things more than they do in the matter of truth or in some things. So you can do that, but you have to do that in a very um, careful way. Um, Younger ones are easier because they're under you, they're younger than you. So um, it would be easier and more normal. Um, So I would uh, uh, suggest that you pick that up. Now, um, uh, I'm not talking about, you know, suddenly you have, you're taking care of 15 people, you know, and you you make clothes for them or something like that. Uh, Sisters, start with one. Uh, I still want to promote those two little booklets, Serving Sisters in the Church Life and Loving Mothers in the Church Life. There in the Loving Mothers, the Lord talked about the transfer of life, where at the foot of the cross, the Lord told her his biological mother, Mary, and say, John is her son. And he told the, his disciple, John, this is your mother. So Bradley used the word at the cross as a transfer of life, where someone who is not your biological mother becomes your spiritual mother by life. And his whole, her, his whole point is that, sisters, you need to have many children that are not biologically yours, for sure, but they are your spiritual children um, in the church. So she, he just said, just pick them up. Uh, they could be young girls. They can be junior high. They can be high school. They can be college or whatever, or even working uh, sisters, whatever. You, you, you just pick them up. Um, our serving and ministering capacity grows over time. So you should not try to do too much. The more you uh, care for someone, the more you learn, the more your capacity increases, and then you can take care of more people. Phoebe didn't become Phoebe overnight, right? She must have served and served and served, and eventually her capacity is just that large, you know, to take care of so many. Yes? Um, Brother Monroe, you mentioned that we're we're losing sisters to pray, uh, the prayer warriors. So my question is related, um, not in regards to sisters gathering together to maybe pray, but in regards to the church prayer meetings. Um, sometimes in the church meetings, I, I I miss the portions of the sisters that have recently become mothers. And um, as one who's also an aspiring mother, I think this is also one of my fears, too, um, that um, I may not be able to participate due to family responsibilities related to the prayer meetings. Um, can you speak a little bit about that? This is a bigger question. It's not just about sisters. It's about just church meeting attendance. Uh, even brothers miss prayer meetings. Um, I, 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 I don't have an answer for you, but I can only refer to some earlier days in, the, in our church life 
where mothers, young mothers who have kids, one, two, whatever it is, um, they work out ways uh, to babysit uh, in a, what do you call it, rotational way. So one mother will take care of, three mothers work together, and they by rotation so that they can all go to the meetings more frequently. But it seems of late in these years, everyone took care of their kid. Uh, and, and suddenly three mothers are missing. Um, and it was not that. I, I, I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just telling you it, the culture before was not that. The culture was the church is first, the meetings are first. We just work out something so that we can participate in the meetings, not only prayer meeting, but, you know, other meetings as well. So, um, so that is one thing. Um, uh, I, I cannot tell you what to do. I can only offer to you uh, some earlier years. I think in general our church life has somewhat been going on a We begin to, what is, what is the word? Uh, not dumbed down. We, what? We become more accepting of a minimal church life and be okay with it. Uh, we don't shoot for something high. We shoot for rather something minimal because you don't need to give that much, consecrate that much, and give that much time. So, over time, the church life has a minimal bar, a very low bar. And don't touch me. Don't ask me for more things. I've, I've come to the me- one meeting already. Don't expect this of me. It was not like that before. Uh, I can only tell you that. So I hope that even uh, as a part of the Lord's work, that even with sisters, you know, talking about sisters, your, you may not preach or teach or stand in the podium, but I'll tell you, your uh, presence, your pattern speaks volumes. And, um, but I don't think one sister can do that. I think if there's a group of sisters that are like that, that will have meaningful effect. Um, on the matter of prayer, uh, of course, today we have no time to talk about prayer. Prayer is actually there. Um, I always still, and, and I, I, I always speak this, I wish in every church there, there are a church-sponsored uh, sister uh, prayer, aside from the Tuesday night prayer meeting. There may be just three sisters there, or five sisters there. But let me tell you, those three and five who would pray in that kind of a, in a ministerial way, in, in, a, in a way of ministry, I tell you, means a lot. Means a lot. You know, burning the incense at the incense altar. So um, it includes a prize. So, you know, even we have these prayer meetings, sisters who have children, they would come. This time, I'll take care of the children in that room, and you, you go and pray. And we, this, this is not chit-chat time, this is not tea time, this is prayer time. The sisters would just keep it to an hour, no more. You know, it's usually dragging on and on and on, just from this hour to this hour, done, we go home. You, you see what I mean? 
So there, there are ways, there are ways. But in the end, it's not just the ways. It's really where our heart is at. Um, so um, it's a fight. It, it, it is a fight. But this is a great, great thing. Um, unseen, behind the scenes. But this prayer ministry of the sisters is huge. Yes. Um, my question is, um, when you're caring for a new one, yeah. and I mean, you said during the meeting um, to have a love for the ministry, which I agree with, but how do you present the ministry without it being overwhelming to a new one? Like, um, oh, the, this is so much ministry and not enough yeah, Bible. Yeah. That, that is a little, t- that's, sorry, sister, that question is just a little tangential. You know, this is not just about sisters. Uh, we, we all need to learn how to minister. You know, um, I don't know Americans do this or not. The Chinese, uh, I don't know whether the Chinese still do that or not. But, you know, uh, uh, they, they, they would actually uh, chew and eat the food. And, 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 and feed that food to the little child. No, no. Uh, even when I was young, I experienced a little bit of that. <laughs> no, serious, seriously. Uh, you know, uh, when you begin to eat solid food and all of that, and the mother would uh, eat, uh, like, say, some ground beef or rice or whatever. They chew first, and sometimes the food is very hot. After they chew and eat, it's kind of more lukewarm, and then they will feed it to us. Well, my point is... <laughs> is you need to learn how to feed people of different ages. Uh, some people older, they can eat something more solid. A lot of babes and, and, and little ones, they cannot. So you need to not only spoon-fed that, you, you need to mouth-to-mouth feed them by something that you have digested, something you have uh, even uh, uh, digested for them, and then you feed it to them. So it's a skill you need to pick up. Don't just hit them with some some truth or some points or something like that because they cannot bear it and they don't know what you're talking about. It overwhelms them. So actually, this is a very, very motherly thing. This is a very, very uh, womanly thing to do um, uh, to, to this whole matter of shepherding and, and nourishing the, the younger ones. I, I have no time, but you just have to Learn, learn to do that, to feed people in that kind of a way. Very, very important to be an effective mother, uh, to, to be able to um, uh, feed uh, the, uh, the younger ones with the spiritual things. Okay. Now, it seems, I'll finish right here. It seems when I talk to sisters, I'm putting all the burden on the sisters. Sisters, you need to be like this. You need to be like that. The church, 70% depends on you. <laughs> Whoa, you go out here like the, the whole world is on your shoulder. Uh, no, obviously, it is not that case. When the brothers are sitting here, I'll be on them. It's all about you. And so, uh, no, I'm not putting all the burden on you, so please do not take it that way. But as much as the Lord would have touched you with his own word, uh, I think... It's good for you to go to the Lord and 
and respond to his word. Um, and again, this is not overnight. Uh, this takes growth and this takes time. And, um, but I think that heart of aspiration is most important. Right? Okay, it's 5 o'clock. Let's just have a little prayer with each other and we can stop here. Amen.